You're listening to episode 55 of the Master Your Mind, Business, and Life podcast. You guys know how I get super duper excited about guests when I connect with them on a whole different level. Okay, you all, you know, I'm excited enough to say things like super duper, but I think this week's guest and I are just kindred spirits for sure. Besides the fact that she is a total boss, she has paid off $30,000 in debt in 10 months. She hacked her way to only paying, this is crazy, $472 for her master's degree, and she bought her first home at the age of 19. And if that's not enough to make you say, dang, she's been featured all over the place. I'm talking ESPN, CNBC, Yahoo Finance, and Ally Bank. So I'm just so pumped to share my conversation with Whitney Hansen with you, but first, the review of the week. This week's review comes from CAC4088, and it reads, Someone get this girl a syndicated radio show. She's a boss. I love to tune in and turn it up each week. (laughs) I love this review. CAC4088, if we're not friends already, we need to be, okay? Connect with me on social media, email me, whatever. Remember that your review has a chance to be featured, but first you got to submit one on your preferred podcast app. Don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with a friend while you're at it. Right? Are you ready to meet the money nerd, Whitney Hansen? You know what to do. Tune in, turn it up, let's go. You're listening to Master Your Mind, Business and Life. Conversations with everyday world shifters, truth seekers, and rule breakers. Here's your host, Lauren Smith. It's Lauren Smith. Welcome back to another episode. This week's guest is Whitney Hansen, and she is a millennial finance expert, financial coach, speaker, and the host of the award-winning podcast, The Money Nerds. Hey, Whitney, welcome to the show. I'm pretty pumped to have you join me today. Lauren, I am honored. Thank you so much for having me. Let me just say before we get started that I tuned in to the Money Nerds podcast and I am officially addicted. Guys, if you not only need to get your money right, but you know, your money mindset right beyond today's episode, you have to add Money Nerds podcast to your queue right now. Do it right now. Thank you. I'm so glad that you're officially a money nerd. I figured you probably were just from your podcast too, listening to it. I'm like, oh, she's definitely a money nerd. I can tell. <laughs> I love it. Well, I'm like, I'm, I'm super savvy on all things. So we're, we're going to dive into that. I don't want to jump ahead. But before we dive into all of my questions, tell us a little bit about your personal journey and what led you to this place in life today. Yeah, we're going to get deep real fast because that's where my personal journey really began. And it began when I grew up in a really small farming city of about, I think there was like 10,000 people. So it was pretty tiny. We were not farmers, but that's where I grew up. And in this little city, I lived with my mom and my dad, very traditional family roles. My dad was the one that managed all of the money and he was the primary breadwinner. My mom stayed home and took care of six of us. There were six kids in my family. And where my financial journey began was once I started to realize that money can be used to do some great things and it can be used to do some really terrible things to people as well. And so I saw my mom stuck in this abusive relationship. And a lot of the reason that she stayed there, Lauren, is because she didn't have money to leave. And I know that sounds like so silly and so small. And a lot of times we're like, well, why would people stay in really terrible relationships where it's very physically and emotionally abusive, but it's because of money sometimes. Mm -hmm. 
And so I saw my mom struggle and she finally did get divorced, which was a really good thing. But we lived in, we moved up to Boise, Idaho, and I was about two hours away. And we stayed in this tiny, tiny little apartment because that's all we could afford. My mom did not have a college education. She was making $750 an hour and trying to support the whole family. Wow. And it was, it was a nightmare. But for a little period of time, we were sleeping on the floor of this apartment because we were so dang broke. Yeah. And I remember one day my mom and I were walking and we found a mattress in the garbage can. And that sounds disgusting because like in today's world, you're like, what about bed bugs? And what about all this stuff? Yeah, yeah. But we were stoked. So we took that mattress home. And for us, that was kind of a change in our life. I was 16 years old at that time. And that's when I had my first real personal finance lesson. And I started to learn the true difference between a want and a need. Mm. And so I became obsessed with personal finance because I saw the power of money and managing it and how it can be so impactful and really do some really great things in the world if you manage it correctly. And so that's really where my, my journey began into personal finance. And then it expanded when I graduated college with $30,000 in debt and had to figure out how the heck was I going to get out of that? Yeah. So that's kind of where it all began. So how the heck did you get out of that? Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was still reaping in my college debt. <laughs> <laughs> right? Well, and so that's, I'm excited to chat about this because there's two different strategies. I took the very aggressive strategy of I'm sick of it. I'm done. I don't want to have a life during this time when I'm paying it off. And I'm okay with that. Okay. And so I was really young. I was right out of college. All through undergrad, I worked as a nail technician. So I did manicures and pedicures. That was my, my jam to get me through college. Yeah. And so I, I continued working that job. And then I was a staff accountant by day. So the two jobs, 80 hours a week, wow. sacrificing a lot, not going into a Starbucks, which you know may not be that big of a deal for some, but for me, that was life. So it was really difficult, but I was able to pay off the entire 30 grand in 10 months. And I would do it again in a heartbeat. Amazing. Amazing. You know, I think just the word finances can send chills down some people's spine. And when you ask someone to look at their finances, especially when you're on the money struggle bus, it can be quite scary. So where do you suggest that people start when it comes to taking these first steps? I think the the place to start is to look around and put aside the Instagram bios and all of that stuff. We see so many amazing people out in the world and we forget that their life is just a highlight reel. So what they're showing you is just a highlight reel. So when you're comparing your life to other people's, that's where it really starts and you start to feel really crappy about yourself. Mm. So I'd say first to stop that comparison syndrome and then get clear on where you currently are. It doesn't matter where Linda from accounting is at or where you know Susan from over here. It, it's you. Where are you at? And so to do that, you have to get really clear with where you're starting. And the best place to do this is what it's an exercise I call the bank statement exercise. It's super nerdy. It will make you cry. It'll make you feel like crap for a little while, but it's worth it because it shows you where you're starting. And how you do it is you print off the past 30 days of your transactions from your checking account and or your credit cards. If you use both, then print off both for 30 days. And then you look at that and you highlight different categories. How much did you spend on eating out? How much did you spend on groceries? What does it actually cost you to drive your car to and from work? You get really clear on all of that stuff and you highlight it all specific colors so you can color code it and see exactly where your spending is. That's the best place to start because immediately you start making actions differently when you see and you're confronted with how you personally spent your money. And I prefer that paper method because I think it's 
it's a lot harder to hide behind the numbers when you have, when you have to go transaction line by line yeah. versus like a, an app that rolls it all up. So for that first time, that's where I always recommend people start. Well, that's a really good tip. I um, yeah, because it's also really easy just to close that app. <laughs> just yes. don't have to look at you anymore. And I can imagine how powerful it is to be able to look at that and be like, oh wow, I'm going to, you know. Starbucks every day and buying a $4 drink, like at the end of my work week, that's, you know, 20 some dollars. Like, wow, I could, you know, hundred dollars a month. Like it really does add up. I can imagine that's really powerful. Yeah, it definitely is. And I, I like that you mentioned that Starbucks thing because a lot of times people think money, they think budgeting, they think I have to give up everything in my life. And I would encourage people to maybe reframe that into saying, this is my spending plan and I get to say yes to only the things that are most important to me. Mm. And if it's Starbucks, girl, you get your Starbucks. That's totally fine. Yeah. But you can choose. Right. What about, you know, I'm a person who I've really cut down my expenses in the past year. I cut, I cut cable. We don't really go out to eat all that often. I even switched my bank so I wouldn't have a monthly fee attached to it. So, so I cool. feel pretty good about my outgoing expenses and just even being a really thrifty shopper. But how can debt be paid down faster if you've already nixed out those little expenses? Yeah, it's such a good point. I think a lot of us, we focus on the reducing expenses because that's an easy win. That's something we can all do. We're all wasting money in some way. But at some point, you're going to get stuck and you have to increase your income. So I personally test side hustles. I do this for fun. I think it's really interesting. And with any of my coaching clients or any people that I talk to on my podcast, I always try to tell them, I will not give you advice if I personally would not do this myself. Mm. So one of the side hustles that I think is so easy, there's two different ones I always recommend people start with. Neither one are sexy. I'm just going to be really honest. (laughs) The first one is doing some type of on-demand delivery. So this would be things like Uber Eats or DoorDash. Mm. My car's too old, so I can't actually do Uber or Lyft, but I can do the delivery. And if you do that Friday, Saturday, Sunday night for four hours every single night, every Friday, every Saturday, every Sunday, just do it for four hours each day, you can easily bring in at least an additional $1,000 per month. Wow. That is life-changing. So that's just one easy way to go. The second one that I've been testing and have been absolutely in love with is flipping furniture, Mm. going to thrift stores, finding stuff that maybe isn't your style, but could be other people's style. And half the time, girl, I don't do anything to this furniture. I buy it at a very low price. I take it. I put it in my garage. I list it on Facebook Marketplace and I sell it for at least a $20 profit. That's my minimum. But it's really easy. And you can do this on your own time. You don't have to... I mean, if you have kids, bring your kids with you. It is such an easy side hustle as well. So those are the two easy places to start. Oh, I love that. I love that. My dad has always been what I like to call a dumpster diver. Yes. Uh, you know, like he and he's that he's the type of person he'll be driving and sees like a parachute <laughs> on the side of the road and like stops, turns around, go backs and get them. You know, <laughs> where did you get that? So I've always from a young age have seen just taking the old and renewing it. Like I just even the other day, my my daughter had a growth spurt. And she's only five, but let me tell you, she is a sneaker freak. Like she's a shoe head (laughs) through and through. So I'm like looking at these shoes. I'm like, huh, well, I could just donate them, which is what most people would do. Um, Or I could clean them up a little bit, you know, like put some bleach on, on the white part of the converses, put them on 
exactly what you said, Facebook Marketplace, which I think a lot of people overlook Facebook Marketplace and the the power that it has. Um, Put them on there. I was like, "Mm, four pairs, 30 bucks, right? They've been used. I was just like, and there was like a pair of Nikes, Converse's, Sperry's, and I think just like a pair from the children's place. And within minutes, someone messaged me. And I was like, I was about to just throw 30 bucks. I mean, I'm, I'm sure I could have got more. But at that point, I'm just like in them out of my house. You know, like they've been sitting around yeah. all summer. So I was like, heck yeah. And I know like if someone you. listening might not think like, oh, 30 bucks isn't much. But you know, 30 bucks today, 50 bucks tomorrow, 60 bucks on the next one. It's just like you can really take old stuff, whether it's yours or like you said, going to a thrift shop and just make money off of it. I love that you do that. Oh, it's fun. It's super fun. I've been doing it for about four months now and you can easily, I do this incredibly part-time and it brings in at least an additional $500 per month, depending on the furniture finds. So it's, it's pretty good. I freaking love that. And I've been seeing that, um, Gary Vaynerchuk does this like all the time with uh, garage sales, right? Yeah, he's like, and but he goes and he does own eBay. I'm not, an, I'm not an eBay person, but like, yeah. he, I mean, like you see someone like Gary Vaynerchuk who clearly really doesn't need extra income, but he just loves the hustle of it. Like he, he loves the flipping of it. So showing you guys that there is, there's money everywhere. <laughs> oh, there really is. The funniest thing about that too. So that's one of the things that is a big limiting belief for people when, when it comes to side hustles, we get embarrassed. I don't know why I call it job shaming where mm-hmm. we have this almost a mindset block where we will hurt ourselves. We'll purposely sabotage our financial lives because we're too embarrassed. If I was driving Uber Eats and I saw somebody I knew, God forbid that happens. What would they think of me? Oh Yeah. And it is the, it's the silliest thing. The, the sooner you can get rid of that and say, you know what? I don't really care what people think of me. If they think I'm broke, oh, well, it doesn't matter. I'm going to better my financial life for this period of time because that's more important than somebody's opinion. And mm. so I see it a lot of times we hold ourselves back because of that job shame stuff. Yeah. I wonder where that job shame really comes in from. It's a little elitist, right? Yeah. <laughs> It's kind yeah. of that white collar versus blue collar jobs and which one's better and don't go to trade school, go to college because that's going to get you a better job. And I'm starting to see that shift, but I think oh, it's yeah. a cultural thing we got to get over. Yeah, it definitely is. Like at what point do you become too good for some to, to make money? Right. When you, like, it's so silly to me. It's really crazy. You know, there are a ton of methods out there when it comes to paying off debt. And so some people say debt snowballing, which if you don't, if those listening don't know, that's when you pay off your lowest debt first. And then other people say debt stacking, which you pay off the debt with the highest interest rate first. Is there an overall best strategy that you recommend when it comes to paying off your debt? This is where your personality comes into play. So it depends Mm -hmm. on what type of person you are. If you're the person that can go to the gym every single day and not see the results, but know that they're coming in time, then the debt stacking or the debt avalanche is another name for it too. That one would work for you. But if you're Mm -hmm. the type of person that needs those quick wins and you've got to see that instant result, then the debt snowball is much better because you get quick wins very, very fast usually. Mm -hmm. Whereas the debt avalanche or the the debt stacking, that one is financially the smarter decision. You save more money on interest, but the best decision that it comes to when it comes to paying off debt is the the plan that you're going to stick with. So if that's a snowball, you do the snowball. And if that's avalanche, because you're a money nerd, you do the avalanche, but stick with one plan and focus in on just one debt at a time don't lose that focus. Pay the minimums on every single debt. Never skip your minimum payments if you, if you can. 
and then always put that extra money towards whichever debt you're, you're focusing on. So if that's the smallest balance or it's the highest interest rate, that's okay. Just choose one, put every extra penny that you have from your side hustles directly to that debt. And you'll start to see really good progress really fast. Oh, I love that, that you don't make it make someone choose something that's not really going to align with them or, yeah, cause it really is a mindset thing. So that makes sense that, you know, it, which one you go with really f- caters to your personality. Completely. Yep. Yeah. I actually think I know that like debt stacking makes more sense. Like my, my, my one side of me, it's like more realist. I'm like, yeah, debt stacking. And the other part of me is like, girl, you like quick results. Like, yep. <laughs> Most of us do. <laughs> Debt snowball would be all me. (laughs) Yeah, it is for me too. I'm the same way. I'm super mathematical, but at the end of the day, I like to see those quick wins because that's what keeps me personally motivated. Mm. And so it works for me. My fiance is an engineer, totally different. (laughs) Yeah, I could see. And does he just have, like, do you guys differ on the way that your minds work too? Like, oh, completely. Yeah. Like night and day. And ironically, he's more of a spender and I'm much more of a saver. So I will save almost to the place of scarcity sometimes. I have to be careful of that. Um, mostly from my childhood where his is a little bit different. He's got a very abundant mindset. So he will just spend and no problem. I'll just make more money. So it's very different personality traits. Ooh, let's talk about that abundant mindset and a place of scarcity, because I think that I am from that place of scarcity as well. Um, I, I did not grow up in as much poverty as you did, but we were, you know, we were middle-class. We, I remember my parents like always just like paycheck to paycheck, um, growing up and, I have been, I've been told this, that like I had a lot of money blocks. I was actually was working on them a couple of six months ago or so. Good. And, um, I had, I had, you know, really come face to face with some of my, my money blocks. And this actually got said to me, I kid you not this past week, um, by my girl's dad. And he was like, you know, you don't have to save money on everything. You don't always have to get the best deal. And cause I like, I'm not going to go buy a $50 pair of Nikes when I know in three weeks they're going to go on sale or be, you know, it's just like, <laughs> totally. that's, that's always my mindset. So, and he's definitely the abundant mindset. Like you spend it, it's going to come back. Money's energy. So how do you kind of like balance the two? It's so tough. And I will say that you want to be more of a place of abundance, but of course you want to find kind of that middle ground where you still honor and cherish your money. You don't just blow it because you think you're always going to get more. That will get you in trouble really fast, Mm. but you don't want to be a miser either where you're holding on to every single penny. And even if you have a savings account that's designed for travel, you still feel guilty spending your travel fund. I can Mm. imagine you are the same way. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So it's tough. The way to balance it that I have found is to understand that it kind of comes with different phases in life. When you're paying down debt, you are likely going to go more towards a place of scarcity because the whole premise of paying down debt is reduce, 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 and then increase my income. So you're doing that so that you can get rid of the debt. And when you're starting to pinch pennies, when you're trying to pay off debt, it's very easy to get to that place of scarcity. So know that that's normal, but it doesn't have to be that way. Once you pay off that debt, then you can start to slowly incorporate a little bit more of those guilty pleasures into your your budget or your life. Maybe you travel more. Maybe you, instead of getting your hair done once every four months, now you can go every other month. So you can start to slowly increase that and allow yourself to appreciate your hard work. And so I think it's, when you get into that scarcity mindset, it's likely because you feel like your life is always going to be a scarce place. Like it's never going to change. 
when you're paying down debt, it's always going to be this way. And I think that's the piece that hurts people is when I'm investing for like a new business project, I understand that it's going to be skimping on other areas. Maybe I'm not putting as much into different products or different services. Maybe I can't personally travel as much because I need that money for the future. And that's okay. But if you feel like that's always your life, that's where you start to run into a lot of issues there. And so I'd say that's one of the things is just understand the phase and then be careful about what you say to yourself. Our Mm. words matter so dang much, which you probably ran into that as well if you were working through money blocks. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and it's like you don't, I, I don't think that people in general realize and they're like, oh, sorry, I can't go out this weekend. I'm broke. Yes. Huge, right? You're absorbing that you're broke or I'm poor or like, help me, I'm poor. Like, oh yeah, like you, like you're absorbing that energy. Like that's, yeah. Yeah. what, What you tell yourself is what you manifest. I really do believe that. And maybe it's a little woo, but I think it's true. And if you're constantly telling yourself that money's hard, money's difficult, I'm not good with money. I can't afford it. I can't do this because of this. Or if you diminish other people's success, when you see a success story, what you say about that person, oh, they could only do that because they didn't have kids when they paid off debt. They were only able to grow a business because they had a partner that was very supportive. I don't have that. Whenever you start to find yourself diminishing or being a little bit negative towards other people or towards yourself, that's when I think you go to that place of scarcity. And there's more than enough money for everybody in this world. It's not a limited thing. Like we, we can all create, we can all win, we can all kick butt with money, but you have to get really clear on what are you currently telling yourself? Mm, yeah. Wow. That's huge. Do you have any like go to, I don't know, like affirmations or mantras or how do you help um, people that you come across, like really change their mindset to, to stop using those negative, you know, thoughts and feelings to define their money? Oh yes. Lots of tips. So on my background of my phone, I have a little picture. It's a solid blue screen and it says money magnet on it. Mm. So every time I reach for my phone, which is about a hundred times per day, I track that. It's ridiculous. Yeah, (laughs) me too. I'm with you. (laughs) It's sad. I see that I'm a money magnet. Mm. The other thing, this is something I, I choose to believe. It's cheesy. Again, it's woo. My fiance laughs at me. He thinks it's really lame. But whenever we're walking, if I find money on the ground, I pick that up and I say, thank you. I say, thank you. Even if it's only a penny, I am grateful for that penny that I found because in my eyes, that's the universe sending me more money. And that's a sign that money is everywhere. It truly is. It may not be hundreds of dollars, but there's pennies, there's dimes, there's nickels. Money is truly everywhere if you are looking for it. And I really do believe that. So I pick I up everything. I love that. I love that you pick them up. Like heads up or not, she's getting it. <laughs> I do. I do. I'm like, I don't care about that. Money's money. I'll take it. Exactly. Exactly. So when we were going back to like, just to reverse a little bit, um, on balancing, when, when you are paying down your debt, it can really tap into things like, like we already said, not going out to eat, maybe not traveling as much. So how do you balance fun? Because it can be, it can be really easy to say, no, I can't do that. No, I can't do it. Can, you can say no, no, no a hundred times. But then at some point you're in your seventh week of sitting home alone by yourself. And you're like, man, I should really go out with my friends. <laughs> like I haven't, I haven't seen anyone in a while. So how do you balance saving money and, and, you know, being better with your finances and fun? Great question. I think the best place to start is you have to get very clear on your deadline. If you're working towards paying off debt, when will you have credit card one paid off? 
What's that date? And you can run the numbers. You can see your side hustle income. You can see if you reduce your expenses and just do a really rough calculation. What's your date? Maybe it's December of 2020 is when your first credit card is going to be paid off. And so if you know that, then you can start to set little, almost like sprints in your life. Mm. I do this in business too. I think it works for personal finance perfectly where I'm going to go for two months straight of not going out to eat, not buying coffee. I'm going to call all my girlfriends. I'm going to call my family. I'm going to tell them all I'm on a budget. And I'm, this is what I'm working towards for, for the next two months. I'm going to say no. If you ask me to go out to eat, that doesn't mean I don't want to hang out with you. That doesn't mean I don't love our time together. It just means I can't spend money because I am working on cleaning up this financial mess. It's not fun for me either, but I would love for you to be supportive in this way. Here's how you can support me. Mm. You can, instead, we can go for walks and bring coffee from home and just chat. We can have movie nights in. We can do our own version of happy hour at our houses. Yeah. I'm very okay with these. These are my, This is my boundary. And I think you have to be very clear with that and set that very clear deadline. I'm only doing this for two months. And then I'm going to allow myself a little bit of wiggle room. And then I'm going to go back in for another two months. And then again, a little bit of reward or wiggle room there. But I think it it comes down to that very clear expectation. And and that's on you to set with your family and friends. You have to be very clear about what you will and will not do. Mm, I love that you make sure that they're aware too. Because if you're just telling someone no so many times without telling them the reason. Right. Yeah. It might come back of like, oh, so what am I doing that you don't want to hang out with me? Are you not... (laughs) You feel good for me now? Like, <laughs> yeah. You're on a budget now. You hate me. What is this? Yeah, come on, like, what, what? We can't hang out. We're not friends. I don't know. <laughs> but it makes it a lot easier when when you tell them. I think I told um, someone. It wasn't this past year. It was the year before that. That we have just we spent too much money at Christmas, and we get hit November, December, and January. My oldest daughter's birthday is in November, then Christmas, and then my youngest. Uh, daughter's birthday's in January. Oh, man. So it's like three months of just like going hard with the gifts. And um, one of one of the moms had sent me like, she knows if it's like a really good deal, like she'll, she'll send me that deal. And there was uh, a toy and it was like, I don't know, 70% off. It was, it was a really good deal. And I was like, I'm not spending any money until March on anything. And I was like, I love that you thought about me. But I'm not spending, but I had to tell her that because I knew she would keep sending me deals. And the more she would send me deals, like the more I wanted to spend money. I'm like, oh, it's a good deal. You know, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do that. But yeah, being vocal is a game changer. And I didn't, I don't even think I realized what I did until just now when you said that, like the power that it had in that moment of just being like, hey, I'm trying to save money, you know? That's exactly the case too. You have to have that boundary because if you don't, if you don't put that boundary in place and you don't set your own parameters, then you feel, even though it's not true, we feel as if we're being taken advantage of, or we feel all kinds of weird things in our lives. We feel like people don't understand us when really it's because we're not communicating what we need from people. And when Mm -hmm. we're going through a financial change, this is hard stuff. This brings up a lot of emotions. It's a huge life change that impacts every other area of your life. So it is 100% on you to tell people how you need them to support you. I love that. Do you use um, like cash envelope systems as part, a part of your way to handle your finances? Yeah. Personally, I have before. I usually don't. At this stage in the game, I am a creature of habit. So my finances are like clockwork. I you know, don't really spend very much on eating out. I don't spend a lot on coffee. I work from home. So that's kind of my, my MO. But if you are struggling to get on a good budget, 
I think eating out and groceries are the two easiest places to start for cash envelope because you'll see the biggest impact in your finances from those two areas. The food budget's killer for most people. Mm. And when you, when you do the cash, like when you recommend cash envelopes, is there a different envelope for each thing and that's how you make your budget or how does that, how do you suggest people work that? Oh, great question. So there's a couple different ways that you can set up the envelope system. You can do one virtually and you can also do one in person with an actual envelope. So for the people that are scared of carrying cash around, I I think it's a more of a, a mindset thing again, than it is a big issue. Most people don't lose money especially if it's a lot of money. We watch it pretty well. (laughs) So if it's the cash envelope system, just grab a basic envelope, write down groceries, and then put your cash in there. You can either do it for every two weeks, every week, once a month, however often you get paid. You can structure it with your grocery shopping trips. So Mm -hmm. if you get paid weekly, then you might pull only enough for that one week, or you can pull for the full month. Just depends on your style. And then virtually... It's really quite easy to do. So you essentially would set up different savings accounts and maybe only do a couple to begin with. So one for groceries and you earmark at that and then one savings account for eating out. And basically what you can do is when you get paid, you can do an automatic transfer directly from your checking account to each of those different savings accounts that are essentially your virtual envelopes. And most savings accounts, you can have a debit card attached to it. So then you can only swipe from your food card. You can make it pretty. You can put a picture of like food, cocktails, whatever the heck you want on your your debit card so that you know exactly this is my groceries. This is for eating out. This is for shopping. So you can make it really, really customized to you virtually as well. So that's another option that seems difficult, but it's really pretty easy to set up. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I, I, um, the cash envelopes have... I'm, I'm, I'm one of those people who's just not a cash person, which is really funny because... I grew up, my dad actually started what he would call the bank of dad. So um, anytime I got birthday money, uh, Christmas money, tooth fairy money, whatever it was, anytime I had money, I gave it to my dad. And he had a little lockbox safe under his bed that he only, he knew the combination to. And I had an envelope and my sister had an envelope. And, you know, just like his own little bank account. And anytime I wanted something, like he would write on that envelope, depositing $20 Lauren's, you know, 10th birthday. And then if I wanted something, he would minus it like minus $10 for a poly pocket, you know, like anything I wanted, (laughs) but it was really cool when I got, I don't know, probably 16, 17, when I wanted the money to buy a car, um, to, to see all of the stupid stuff I spent money on. Like, and that, and I think is what comes back to your, uh, highlighting what your, your expenses are on your bank statement. Like, it's the same thing of like, just seeing like, <laughs> whoa, I spent a lot on Polly Pockets and Barbies. <laughs> like, yes, that was I, a lot. But would, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah but it, was, it was really cool. Even at a young age to just like understand that. I do the same things with my kids now. They get really annoyed with it, but. Oh, I bet they love it. Yeah. They will. (laughs) They will. They definitely will. My youngest thinks is a lot cooler than my, than my oldest. (laughs) (laughs) Why do I have to do this? Yeah. Come on. Like I'm not giving you my money, but they had a hard lesson in it too, because they misplaced their money, um, which is kind of what brought this all on. So it was a hard lesson of like, Oh, you lost your cash. Like you're out. Like yeah. It's gone. It's gone. Sorry. Um, yeah. but you can make it back. <laughs> you can, you can get it back. That's exactly the case. I love that you teach them that too. Cause I think that's, 
the part where people get so concerned is how do I teach my kids about money? And I think that's a great example of how to do it correctly. So props to you, my friend. Oh, thank you. So one last question. If someone is listening today and we kind of already went over them, they're they're just not a money person. They they don't like handling finances. They're, maybe they're the one in their household who isn't even responsible for money. Um, what, what can they do to kind of change that mindset to be an attractor of money, to not think of money as their enemy, but as their friend? Ooh, that's such a great, great question too. These are all really good. So the best place, if you're, if this is you, if you're sitting there and you're afraid of money or you're just afraid of managing it, you don't think that you're responsible enough to do it, you don't feel like you're smart enough, we have all kinds of different things we tell ourselves, then you have to take a step back and ask yourself if you don't get a hold on money, if you don't understand it, and it doesn't have to be complicated, you can't outsource this either, guys. I know a lot of people think they can. But if you never get a hold of this, what does your life look like in 5, 10, and even 20 years from now? Mm. And are you okay with that? If you're ignoring your finances for 20 years, your same patterns are going to repeat. You're probably going to go more into debt because you don't have an emergency fund. You don't have the basics set up. So you're just going to be in a lot of credit card debt. You're probably always going to have a car payment. You'll definitely still have a mortgage because you don't know to actually pay it off a little bit early if you can. What does that look like for 20 years from now? And if you're okay with that life, keep doing you. But most of us are not okay with that. And so if that's the case, then you have to start to get clear on it. You have to start with the the bank statement exercise, go through that, and then start to just create a basic spending plan. If the word budget scares you, it's a spending plan. That's truly what it is. You're telling your money how you want it to be diversified and what you want it to go towards. And so I think it's just starting with that personal responsibility and you have to pull your head out of the sand. No one is going to do this for you. It's 100% up to you. It's Uh your money. It's your problem. That's a great thing and that's a scary thing. But it's only scary because you haven't been doing it currently. When you get comfortable and you start to understand that this is actually pretty dang easy, the steps are really, really easy. It's very straightforward. And then you can start to like slowly follow your plan. You start to get more comfortable and you take on bigger financial risks that are within your wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. But you have to start with just getting aware. Yeah. Awareness is key in so many, so many aspects. Just sadly, right? (laughs) Yeah. You know, I always wish that finance would have been like a class in high school. Like mm-hmm. it always makes me wonder how different everyone's financial situation would be if balancing our checkbook or whatever it may be, right. like understanding loans and like what you're taking out and interest rates. Like if that was really explained to you before you hit adulthood, because I feel like you hit adulthood and it's like thrown at you and you're like, what, what, huh? Like, <laughs> What's a checking account? Yeah. yeah. Like how does this all work? Yeah. And like when I went to college, like I just took all of the money that was offered to me. Oh, same. Not oh, I, I didn't know either. Yeah. yeah. I had no so- idea. Yeah. My parents didn't go, they, they couldn't even advise me on it. Like, cause they, they didn't know. And what you don't know, you don't know. So no, you don't. Yeah. But in today's world too, to be fair, I'm all about personal responsibility. Yes. So back when we were in college, that was probably true. There wasn't a lot of places to turn, but today there's podcasts, there's blogs, there's YouTube videos, there's counselors, there's all kinds of people that there really is no excuse for the ignorance. We, we have to take personal responsibility and own up to, if I don't know, I got to figure this stuff out and do Heck some research. Yeah. 
God bless the internet podcasts (laughs) and just all the abundant information that we have at our fingertips. Like you're right. There's no excuse ever. And if you, if you, you know, still are struggling, which is fine to figure it out. That's why you have people like Whitney who can help you go even deeper. (laughs) Yeah. We all struggle. It's just about finding the information to get you through that next phase. Well, speaking of information, the information you have provided today has been incredible. Where can our audience go to learn more about you and connect with you further? Yeah, the best place is by listening to the Money Nerds podcast. If you're obviously a podcast listener, you're probably going to like that one. I have two different styles of it. So I have a Wednesday interview series where it's a little bit more in-depth. I bring on guest experts to share what's working for them, how they're making more money, how they're reducing their expenses and paying off incredible amounts of debt. And then every Friday, I have a very short segment called Five Tip Friday. It's five minutes or less, and it's five tips that will better your personal finance life immediately. I love those. And I think I listened to like seven of those. They're so <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're, they're awesome. Short, sweet, to the point, and like give you some really great, great tips to, to save some money. I like the, the summer one as well. So yeah, thank you. Perfect. Well, Whitney, thank you so much for bringing your wisdom and energy to the podcast. I have loved nerding out with you today on all things money. Lauren, I am honored. It was truly so much fun to chat with you and to learn about your financial life too. Okay, seriously, how cool is Whitney? I've linked her website and social channels and the Money Nerds podcast all on this week's episode notes found on mindbizlife.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe to our email update so you get podcast news straight to your inbox. I'll see you back here next week for another episode, but until then, remember, every level of life is an opportunity to grow. Be well, my friend.